This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And here's a shot off the bat of Brandon Lott. And that baby is out of here. Home run by Brandon Lott. Back to back. Diaz and Lott. And boy, did Brandon Welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian Speak reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. Sarah, I really don't think there's anywhere else for us to start other than the fact that there's still somehow at this point in the season an undefeated team. I was not expecting us to still be able to talk about this for another week. I thought last week having two uh, that we could talk about and say, oh, this was a cool start. Like, hey, they have a series under their belt and they didn't lose. No, now we're 10 games into this at the time that we're recording this and the Rays are still undefeated, which is absolutely crazy. It was a topic here in Cleveland. We sat down with Terry Francona before the game here in in Cleveland against the Yankees, and and someone asked him, because if you guys don't know, he's very close friends, although he would never admit to it, uh, with Kevin Cash. And the basis of their friendship is make fun of each other as much as possible. And so when someone asked Tito about, well, what do you think of the start that the Rays have gotten off to? And he's like, well, obviously Cash, he hasn't uh, been helping the hitters because they're hitting the ball. he refused to give him any credit, but he even said it. He's like, their pitching is unbelievable, and their best pitcher hasn't even pitched yet. And it's just everyone, even people involved with the in, with the game for decades, is sort of mind blown to how this started. What it's what's it been like from your perspective watching it? I mean, it's been amazing, and I actually want to stop a start. Excuse me, on a bit of a soapbox about this because everyone kept saying, "Oh, look who they've." Played. They haven't played anyone. You know, they played the Tigers, they played the A's, they played the Nationals to start. And everyone's like, that was the first nine games. Oh, that's like a non-conference schedule in college football. That's nobody. And I have a lot of thoughts about that. And the first is that you have to play who you're given. And this is not their fault. You play the schedule, you get. The second thing is, and I'll get into some of my favorite stats with this, but those first nine games, they won all of them by at least four runs. The last team to do that, win nine straight games, all by four or more runs, was the 1939 Yankees. So that isn't even soft start to the schedule or anything. Do you know how many teams have played at least nine straight games at any point since 1939? (laughs) A lot. And none of them did that. So I understand they weren't doing this against, you know, the Astros and the Braves and whoever you want to pick as some of your absolute best teams. But they played who they were given and on Monday... They played the Red Sox for maybe a higher level of competition. 
wasn't a big blowout win, but they still won one nothing with a go-ahead solo homer in the bottom of the eighth. They've been really, really good. And I don't want to hear people disparaging this streak because it is absolutely incredible. Okay, so they didn't play the best teams in baseball to start, but, like, you're going to lose a game at some point, and they haven't. And, like, that's the incredible part. It doesn't matter. I mean, even the teams that come in last place in their division, they have 50, 60, 70 wins. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not like they go 0-162 exactly. throughout the year. It's going to happen. You're going to fall into some wins, and the fact that the Rays have been able to avoid that so far, that's the impressive feat. And it's a, it's a time of year where... It's hard. It's hard to get on a stretch like that because you're coming out of spring training. Uh, you're playing in different climates. You're, it's not like they, you know, it's, I don't know. It's a soapbox moment as well. I, I, I get that. I totally agree with it. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, they're on this. So let's get off of the negative part of this. And I know you have a, a bunch of different stats that you've tweeted out about this. Yeah, I'll share a few. So the first is the fact that they're the first team since 1987, the Brewers, to start at least 10-0. Those Brewers start 13-0. Overall, they're the ninth time in team in MLB history to start at least 10-0. The others being the 1982 Braves, 81 A's. Cleveland in 1966, the Pirates in 1962, 1955 Dodgers, and then two teams in 1884, the St. Louis Maroons and the New York Gothams. And even with that one-run win yesterday on Monday, they have a plus 58-run differential. It is the fifth highest by any team in its first 10 games of a season. And every team ahead of them is from before 1893, when the mountain was moved to its current distance. So basically an entirely different brand of baseball. Those teams were those 1884 Maroons and Gothams that I mentioned. The 1876 Hartfords of Brooklyn, of course and the 1882 Prominence Grays. So, I mean, they've just been so much fun to watch. And to Tito's point about the offense, which has been good, as has the pitching, they've hit 25 home runs, which is the uh, tied for the second most by any team in its first 10 games in a season. I mean, every note you look at, runs allowed, runs scored, what have you, they are close to the top, if not at the top, for any team starts of the season. And, you know, if it does end up that those three teams they played at the beginning of the year end up the three worst teams in baseball, you have to win those games. How many teams have we seen fall apart in September when they should be clinching a division and they can't sweep the quote-unquote lowly so-and-sos? or they end up in a much tighter division race because they can't beat a team that is 10 or 15 games below 500. So with how tight that division may end up in the AL East, these are key wins, and nine wins, 10 wins, at any point in the season 
or just as important whether they're in April or in September. The entire time I'm just so fixated on the fact that you said they've already hit 25 home runs and the team that I watch every day has five. <laughs> like it's ridiculous to oh think of the gosh. difference of like, oh my gosh, I couldn't imagine already seeing 25 home runs at this point. But that's just a testament to why they are 10-0 and at this point and why other teams are not. And their pitching has been unbelievable, all of this stuff. But as long as we're talking about streaks, think we need to go to Jordan Walker because if the Rays weren't doing what they're doing right now, I feel like every single headline would just be Jordan Walker. And I guess he has to share some of the spotlight with the, the undefeated team. I guess it's rightfully so, but oh my gosh. Jordan Walker in with a 10-game hitting streak to start his career. Delivery to the Cardinal right fielder is swung on. Base hit the left field. He's now hit in 11 straight games. The rookie delivers again. I know there was a lot of attention on this guy coming into the season. I know the hype was there. I get all of it. But how often do we see the hype get lived up to? I know right now you see Volpe, like great guy, obviously. The hype was there for him as well. But he's not handling it the way that Jordan Walker has decided to start his career with getting a hit in every single game that he's played in. And by the way, Jordan Walker's 20 years old. So not only is he living up to the hype, he's doing it at one of the youngest ages we have seen guys in the majors in recent memory. So I know the Cardinals have not gone off to the start there. Their fans may have wanted, and I think if they were playing even half as well as the Rays are, we might be hearing a bit more about Walker and what he's doing. But as you said, he has played 10 games in his career. <laughs> he has a hit in every single one. That is the longest hitting streak by any player in Cardinals history to begin a career. And that is a team with a vaunted history. You know, when we talk about no disrespect to expansion teams, but when we talk about Rockies history, Marlins history, that's also Sarah Lang's history. It's not that long. <laughs> but when we talk about Cardinals history, Giants history, Guardians history, Yankees history, those are teams that have been around for more than 100 years. To do something that a team that had a guy like Stan Musial on it never did to start his career is absolutely incredible. And I've been sharing this stat for a couple of days now. So the only guy since 1900 to start his career with a longer hitting streak at age 20 or younger was a player named Eddie Murphy in 1912. And every single time this gets shared by me, by MLB stats who have used it, by anywhere else, the replies are a combination of, don't you mean Eddie Murray? He didn't play in 1912. <laughs> or a bunch of Eddie Murphy gifts. But no, it is correct. There was a player in 1912 named Eddie Murphy. He began his career with a 12-game hitting streak at age 20 or younger. So that's one of the many things that Walker's chasing. But, you know, there are a lot of ways to have a hitting streak, especially speaking to you, who covers a team that hits very well, but doesn't necessarily hit for a ton of power. There are a lot of different ways to get 10 hit, ten games with a hit in a row. He is hitting 342. He's also slugging 553. 
these hit two home runs and two doubles, so four extra base hits. But if we look at his stat cast numbers, his hard hit rate right now is 56.7%. So he has made contact on a batted ball, so non-foul balls, 30 times. More than half of those have been hard hit. And I cite this all the time, why do we care about hard hit? Because it leads to better outcomes. So last year when you made hard hit contact, which is 95 plus miles an hour, you hit about 488 and slugged around 950, maybe even up to 980. So those are desirable outcomes. So it isn't that he somehow you know, lucked his way into 10 straight games on the head. He is taking a solid approach. If you look across the board, he's crushing the ball. And man, he's been so much fun to watch. And I'm happy for Cardinals fans because we all know that when a team gets off to a tougher start, it can certainly be, you know, deflating, not just for the team, but for the fans as well. But to be a Cardinals fan, regardless of what else has gone on, to have Jordan Walker up there crushing it has to be great to see. Yeah, I was going to say, like, okay, they started off the year 3-7. and seven. It's really not the start that you would want to watch your favorite team get off to. I get that. Um, it's also only a 10-game sample size. And at some point throughout any season, any team's going to go 3-7 and seven in that type of a stretch. So it always gets highlighted because it's the start of the year. I get all of that. But to just take a moment to realize what this kid is doing is you have to do it. You have to allow yourself to understand the historic nature of this. And I think it, it has to be tougher for him because he knows he can't celebrate it probably the way that he would like to internally, even not like celebrating it like when you think of like a James Karen check coming off of the mound type of celebration no I'm thinking of more just like a internally feeling good about where you are he has to be going up to the plate right now with so much confidence even for just a 20 year old kid just because of the results he's seen but to know that you can't feel great about it completely because your team's not getting the wins that has to be a tough like tug of war in your head of like how do I feel about this situation so if he continues like this and then the Cardinals continue like support around him I think that can only do wonders for his confidence um, there's obviously going to be at some point in this season he's going to hit some some skids that he's not going to be perfect throughout the year but hopefully having this start can allow him to turn back to this when he does run into some trouble to remember, I can do this. I've had success here. I think that's the biggest thing is whenever rookies get off to slow starts, they don't have that thing to fall back to of like, okay, I know I can do this because they haven't proven to themselves yet that they could do it. Saw it with Stephen Kwan last year, got off to that hot start. In May, he struggled a little bit more, but he pulled himself out of it really quickly because he had that to fall back on. He was like, I can, I can play here, and I know I can play here. Let me just make the adjustments of what I did at the beginning of the year and get back on track. So I think this will do wonders to set up like the foundation of what could be a rookie of the year season. Um, and goodness gracious, until the Cardinals get rolling, it is giving Cardinals fans something to at least follow every single day because how much fun is this to watch? And it's always fun. I mean, obviously, this is from my very specific corner of the world, but I love when we have a sat like the list about him and the hit streaks by guys 20 or younger to start their career. And I think I first shared that when he was at seven which means I've shared seven, eight, nine, and 10 now. 
It's so much fun to be updating it. And for people to know, I mean, I'm not saying I was the first to share it. I have no idea. I just know I looked into it. But to have something where by day three or day four, people already know, oh yeah, you know, it's him and Ted Williams and Eddie Murphy. Like, for people to be aware of that history and to be able to share that, I mean, I just think that's something really enjoyable. And again, it's just great to have all of these rookies are so much fun. You know, I wish we had more time to talk about Corbin Carroll and will be as you mentioned all of them but when you go out there and you do this at 20 years old I mean I always think of Ronald Acuna Jr. and Juan Soto coming up being 19 years old 20 years old Bryce Harper you know Mike Trout when you're doing things at those ages where we normal plebs were still in college like to me that is on a whole other level okay i think uh i mean there's so many more fun things that have happened that we can get into it's great whenever the stars are playing as well as they as they've played we've seen vlad jr get off to an incredible start and i know i'm excited anytime sarah writes down in all capital letters that she wants to talk about home run sellies so i am ready to hear all about this because as i alluded to earlier I haven't seen many, so I want you to at least tell me what's going on in the world of, of the long ball because I don't have much experience in that field thus far this year. So when we come back, we can get into all of that. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mandy, that's Sarah, and we are talking about all the hot starts that everyone seems to be getting off to, whether it's a team like the Rays or a rookie who is figuring out the league and doing so flawlessly somehow, and Jordan Walker. But like, it's fun, too, whenever the stars are doing what you expect them to do, because that's even rare to happen. Like You see guys struggle at different points of the year. I'm watching it with Josh Bell right now, and you're seeing it like all across the league where guys don't really live up to that potential just yet. Well, goodness, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is doing just that. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. launches one to left center field, and it's gone. His second in as many games. Like you look at his numbers, he almost got a hit in every single game so far, except for one. He's hitting, what, 439 or something? Like it's something ridiculous where he's just on a rip and a tear. Um, and it's not like it's all home runs. It's not like he's being like the slugger. He has two so far, but just to see him just hitting the heck out of the ball right now, that is a blast to watch. That is amazing. I love how so everyone knows Mandy and I, briefly go over what we're going to talk about before we actually get into the podcast. We don't usually share what our opinions are on said <laughs> topics, 
But Mandy just used, you know, hitting the heck out of the ball. And I was literally about to say that he is obliterated in the ball. So I just <laughs> love that we're on the same page. You're just more eloquent. <laughs> I don't know about that. But what I love about what the Blue Jays have been doing is that we know that Vlad Jr.'s season was, it was a good season last year for sure. But he set some unreal expectations with what he did in 2021. And I just had this feeling that he is the type of player who's going to come out again this year and show us that 2021 Vlad Jr. is the norm. And so far, that is what he's doing. And the number one way that we've seen that is crushing the ball. So he has 22 hard hit batted balls heading into Tuesday night. That is the second most in the majors behind his teammate, Matt Chapman, with 23. I've always loved watching Matt Chapman hit. He had flashes at times for sure last year, but he really seemed like the truly back and healthy after those injuries going back to 2020, Matt Chapman, the one who can crush the ball when he is all good. It is really fun to see two teammates at the top of that leaderboard in hard hit batting balls. And to the point about Vlad, the way you know that he is peak Vlad right now, he is hitting 439. As you mentioned, he's slugging 610. I mentioned he's crushing the ball. He is a 6% strikeout rate. I mean, he's just not striking out. I believe I was opting a note for a while, but I believe through his first 34 or so plate appearances, he had like one strikeout. Now he has a few, but in 49 plate appearances, 6.1% strikeout. It's tied with Adam Frazier for the lowest, but... I bet if you look at decimal points, his might be ahead in terms of being a smaller number. Either way, among the lowest strikeout rates in all of baseball and hitting the ball harder than everybody except for one teammate. Yeah, to have both of those guys on the same team right now, like it's hard to believe that you look at the Blue Jays and they're what, six and four or something like that to start the year. Like you would think like, Chapman is leading the AL in hits, average, doubles. Like, it would be insane right now to be a Blue Jays fan and see either of these guys coming up to the plate. It's like, ah, they'll figure it out. They'll, they'll, they'll get on base. They'll score the run. They'll do whatever. Uh, I think it's as good as it gets whenever you have two teammates doing something like that, um, the way that they've been able to, and to see them back-to-back um, at the top of, it seems like, every single possible offensive leaderboard uh that that's then you can feed off of each other as teammates whenever you're doing stuff like that it becomes like an internal competition uh, i think that's setting it up and i think it's even better to see vlad in this type of situation after you heard the news of him having to pull out of the wbc um with that knee discomfort whatever it may have been you weren't really sure of where he stood so to see him come into the season and be like okay i'm fine did all of that out of the the, the best interest of my health make sure I was ready to go for the year and goodness he he seems like he's ready to go for the year so uh it's been quite the start that he's gotten off to uh and I know sort of alluded to this right before the break 
that were wanting to talk about home run celebrations, or at least as you have this up here as home run sellies. So Sarah, at least let me just start with whatever the idea was behind this that inspired you to put this one in all caps and two <laughs> is something that you wanted to get to today. Oh my goodness, okay. So and this has been building over the first quarter week, two plus weeks into the season. Uh, I have been tweeting a number of times lately that we are in a golden age of home run celebrations. And it's actually funny because we're talking about the Blue Jays and they retired their uh, home run jacket for this year. And that was kind of one of the originators. But we've seen teams the last few years have uh, those big logo chains, kind of like the Miami turnover chain. But all of a sudden this year, these celebrations are on another level. So the Angels, when they hit a home run, have this samurai helmet that they place. Usually Brett Phillips is the one to do <laughs> the kind of crowning, which makes all the sense in the world. They place that on the head of whoever just hit the home run. Uh, we have the Brewers, they have a cheese head, like, you know, think Packers, that they put on. And uh, the, the Orioles last night had a fascinating little funnel in their dugout uh, that they held up and celebrated with, taking a swig of something, I guess. Just missed the homer in his first at bat. He didn't miss this one, and I tell you what, the party is on. It is spring break somewhere. Uh, the Reds have a Viking helmet. I mean, it's just amazing. Like, every team... And by the way, I love that the Reds have one. Like, this doesn't have to be a teams that we expect to make the playoffs thing. I think this can be any team. And just seeing the way that teams are celebrating, I mean, it's just so much fun. And it's funny because it gives fans something to look forward to. And you know that there are going to be people finding, you know, Viking helmets to bring into games or samurai helmets or what have you. And it's just a really fun thing to be expecting every time a certain team hits a home run. I love when these fun types of things happen because it takes me back to the start of the Little League Classic um, because like this is like the involvement that Major League Baseball and Little League like having those two combined sort of was inspiring to happen of just like bringing this kid-like fever back into the game while also showing kids that like okay your dreams are attainable and it's way that, that you can feed off of each other and I remember whenever the Cardinals were there and they had such a close relationship with the Australia team and they had their blow up kangaroo in their dugout with them and that was part of like their celebrations anytime something happened in the game and they had the Australian flag tied around his neck and uh, it, it's just like those types of things where it makes baseball fun appealing to a younger crowd and it allows there to be personality and emotion 
And I think it, it's not coincidental that so many of the stars now are so young. So I think that that's sort of leaning into that way. But I think it's my favorite thing ever that Brett Phillips is like the center of this for L.A. Because of course. Who, who else? <laughs> who else? And I think everyone knows my opinions of him and the fun that he brings to the game. Because it's so important. Like, yes, it's work. It's a job. It's important. And you get paid to go out and do this. But you also have to remember that it is a game. And that's why you and I love this so much. That's why your baseball is the best thing is always out there because like this stuff is so important to highlight and I, I think that's the best part of it and uh, I hope teams continue to do it and that everyone feeds off of each other and sort of steals ideas and I think everyone should get in involved in this type of thing because is there anything better than getting back to the dugout and just seeing everyone having a blast so that's my two cents on all of it. I love it all. I'll mention one more quickly, and I know there are probably a few I didn't even mention. If you're a fan of those teams, tell us. We'll mention them next week. But one other that began last year was uh, the Padres. Joe Musgrove started the tradition of them taking a Polaroid photo after a home run. And I believe the Padres Twitter like posts all of them at the end of last year. So I'm very excited to see where that gets to uh, this year. Okay, I think this is the perfect lead-in into our favorite segment that we do every single week of everything that we love in baseball, even though I don't know what's the difference of what we just talked about. But we'll each give our favorite moments that we saw over the past week, and we'll try to see who has the best one, even though they're all, as Sarah would say, would be the best. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mandy, that's Sarah, and of course, as always, we have our wonderful producer, Alana Schreiber, joining us for our favorite segment of the week, where we're breaking down all of our personal favorite moments that happened in baseball over the last few days. Alana, do you want to start with yours that you saw over the last few days in baseball? I feel like we're applying the pitch clock to this podcast because this is the shortest episode so far that I can remember. <laughs> it's because the music is pushing me out of this area because now the gates are open. I think that's why we're uh, we're speeding this up a little bit. Exactly. It's like the Oscar speeches. The music helps with that. So yes. yeah, um, my, my quick little half one, since we've all been doing like one and a half, would just be the pitch clock has really changed the game yesterday the Cubs and Mariners went into extra innings in like two hours and 35 minutes. They played three innings in about 35 minutes, which just seems crazy. So that was just kind of like the, the wow, this pitch clock thing is really working moment. But I will say my favorite moment happened in the Mets game yesterday. So I'm going to call this like the double dribbler moment in the seventh inning. <laughs> Guillaume bunts and it just rolls really slowly along the third baseline and you Darvish and Manny Machado kind of like go and look at it see if it's going to roll foul and it's fair and he gets on base and then just two batters later the same thing happens Nito just kind of hits and it bounces rolls really slowly on the third baseline 
Darvish and Machado just stare at it and it stays fair. And it was just incredible that it happened in the same inning, a batter apart, same spot on the field. And my family group chat, which is called The Sandlot, because it's all baseball talk, is kind of going crazy. And my sister and my dad and my cousins are in it. And my sister just summarized it as, you see something new in baseball every day. And that's exactly how I would describe that moment. Just a little moment that I've never seen before, will probably never see again, and also somehow seems so incredibly Mets, like only the Mets could do that. And then, of course, it helped because, you know, Lindor got up and ended up hitting the RBI to help them win 5 nothing. So that was my favorite moment. I was there at that game, and there was definitely the feeling in the press box of just like, did that really just happen twice? And I encouraged everybody to go online, go on Twitter, on SMY's Twitter, or on MLB. Gary Cohen's calls of both of them were just outstanding, especially the second one. Like, did that really just happen again? Tapped slowly up the third baseline. Same spot. Can you believe this? All right, Slings, go ahead. Okay. So, as was often themed last year, mine is coming from some of the content that happened on Sunday Baseball this week. So, I think I've been working on Sunday Baseball in some capacity since 2016. Going back to writing notes packets when I worked at ESPN and researcher, as a researcher, doing stats now for Carl and company, I think my absolute favorite moment on Sunday Baseball, since I have been a part of it, was this interview that happened before the game that aired on Baseball Tonight and on Sunday Baseball between Eduardo Perez, Ronald Acuna Jr., and Juan Soto. It's very rare that we get to see the friendships between these players on different teams, guys who have never been teammates, and really get to put them in their most comfortable environments. I thought Eduardo did an amazing job just facilitating the conversations with them, getting them to talk about each other. Players are always better talking about each other than about themselves. So. He asked each of them what they would like to have of the other's game. And Soto said of Acuna, that speed he has is incredible. Every time he's running around the bases, you can feel the fear. And Acuna said about Soto, he can go hit the ball whenever he wants. Every bat he comes to the plate, he can do something special. But there were some other great moments that showed some personality. So if you weren't watching this series on Friday, Juan Soto hit a ball to the wall to Acuna, and Acuna reached up and made an amazing catch. And everyone knew, oh wow, he just made that catch on one of his buddies. And then the next day, Soto goes yard. So on Sunday, 
And Verna asks, you know, what to Acuna, what did you say to Soto after that catch? And he goes, I told them, you can't hit it to me because I'll catch it. Hit a homer. And Soto starts laughing and goes, I listen. You can hit the ball to me because I can catch. Hit a homer. <laughs> I don't care. I listen. I listen to it. <laughs> I mean, it was just amazing. You don't always get to see this raw personality from these players. It was amazing. I mean, he asked um, he asked Soto, if Acuna walked as frequently as you, what would his stolen base totals look like? And Soto goes, you know, we go from talking 40-40 to 60-60. And the last thing, and I'm not going to recite it because it was in Spanish, and you have to hear the intonation. Even if you don't know Spanish, go to Las Mayores on Twitter. Eduardo asks Soto and Acuna, who takes longer to round the bases after a home run? And this interview was a mix of Spanish and English. But Soto just starts explaining he accuses Acuna of taking two hours having to salute everybody. And the way he delivers it, again, I know Spanish, but you don't have to understand to hear the jovial nature and just how happy the two of them are. It takes more time rounding the bases on a home run. Duradora. No, no, no. Saluda, saluda al dogao. Mira, man. Saluda al coda primera. Saluda al buen Da dos brinquitos en segunda. Let me feed off of that jovial angle because everything obviously with me deals with kids involved in the game. So when I saw the tweet, was it Trisha? Trisha Whitaker. Yep, she was the one who tweeted this. In the middle of the Rays being the Rays right now, uh, there was this cute. cute doesn't even work like adorable melt your heart adorable little circle on the field of all these little kids um on easter sunday they're just talking it seemed like i don't even really know what they were doing out there i don't know who they're affiliated with but they have this little circle while all the race players are running out on the field to warm up before the game and they're all just looking around and it seems like super cool for them and there was a kid wearing a randy rosarena jersey and a rosarena snuck up behind him and like tapped him on the back and he then is in the middle of the circle high-fiving everyone there's a little dude right there who's like waving at every player running by and it was like beaming as soon as a rosarena left it doesn't get better for me it just doesn't and so i think for me just like that moment obviously was my favorite from the week but like the fact that this is starting to happen again, and I think I talked about this last week as well, whenever I saw the little kids running out to take the positions in Seattle over the opening uh, week, day, like open opening weekend series, I guess it was. Um, they just did it here in Cleveland as well. They're starting to have kids run out to the positions over the weekends and meet with the players beforehand, get autographs. The fact that we've made it back to the point of more normalcy in the world where you can start to have these interactions again they're so important for kids, I think, to be able to have experiences like this, memories like this, have like that palpable feeling of like, this is my favorite player, this is my idol, this is whatever, and I can be with him and he's real. Those moments to me are priceless and I love watching all of them. So any interaction with kids is absolutely perfect and that was my favorite by far. 
I love that and I love Rosaline. I'm just recognizing the kid in his shirt. I mean, it also shows how far he's come. You know, he really burst on the scene with that postseason run in 2020. But of course, little kids have Randy Rosarine in t-shirts, but it's an amazing moment that we've come that far for him in his career too. All right, Slangs, I got to go watch baseball, and I also got to go message you to help me watch baseball and give me more stats and bother you for the rest of the night. So let's get out of here now so that we can at least go do that and have more things to talk about next week. So that'll wrap up this week's episode. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.